Welcome to the Lighthouse Podcast, a resource created by Lighthouse Family Retreat to strengthen families that are living through childhood cancer. You will hear stories from families, educational information on childhood cancer, and most importantly, we will encourage your family during this journey. Hey, Merry Christmas. Hey, right back at you. I mean, it is it is still November technically, but Thanksgiving's over and the Christmas season has officially started. It is official. Uh, we can check that off the calendar. Yes. We've said, all right, Thanksgiving, you got your time and we yep. love spending that time with you, but it's time to Moving move. Moving on. It's time to move <laughs> on to uh, red, green, silver and gold and all the fun that comes with it. We actually also just kicked off uh, Advent. This past Sunday, all of our Lighthouse families should have received, and those of you that ordered them should have received your calendars by now. And, and we hope that you guys are in the mode, enjoying all the spiritual and family connection during this season. Uh, and it's really about to get crazy. It is. And, and I do love it all, but it does get a little bit crazy sometimes. What are you lo- most looking forward to? You know, for me, um, lights. I'm a big lights oh, guy, so I'm yeah. a I'm a uh, a wannabe Clark Griswold. Oh, at your own house, not just drive well, around. Well, at my at own house, lights. but also looking at others. Okay. Like I try to get new ideas yeah. and you know all that kind of stuff. So really excited to start getting out and driving around and seeing all the fun. Uh, decorations, lights, yeah. all the different thing. We have this one neighborhood that's a couple miles from us, and literally the entire neighborhood. It's like part of the deal. Yeah, you sign on, and you've got to you have decorate. to do it. And it's become this huge thing where there'll be like mile long lines to get in the neighborhood. It's this loop, and so. Uh, and I have a friend that lives in the neighborhood. That's a lot of pressure. Yeah, he feels the pressure. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and loves it, but hates it because the traffic apparently is just horrible. But I'm looking forward to just driving around, seeing those neighborhoods and getting out and seeing all the different lights. So I love that stuff. Do you have a favorite, something else you're looking forward to? Um, I think because my kids are older, honestly, I mean, lights are right up there, but I just am excited to have everybody home. Mm. You know, we're not together as a family of five. I mean, it's like on one hand you can count. So, and we still don't know everyone's schedules, but the goal is to have at least a few nights. I mean, it it, really set the bar low, a few nights with all five Richards in the same place. Yeah. And lights on top of and that. And knowing <laughs> knowing the Richards boys, I would imagine you're not going to know until like maybe the day before. Oh, day yeah. of. Day yeah, of. day of. Yeah. <laughs> I'm giving them too much credit. Uh, yeah, you are way, <laughs> way giving them too much credit. Uh, um, but looking forward to that and all the things that come with Christmas. Yeah. So today we actually have an amazing Lighthouse family whose story they're going to share with you all. In fact, they live right down the road from mm-hmm. us here in Alfreda, Georgia. So they're sitting with us right now, which is a real treat to have live people in our podcast That's room. Right. Um, Emily and Jonathan Settle, welcome to the Lighthouse Podcast, and thank you so much for coming here to share your story with us today. Yeah, we're really thankful that you guys are here. Before we get into our conversation um, too much, though, I just want to introduce you to our listeners. So Jonathan works for Boosterthon and Alpharetta as the general manager of the Georgia team, and Emily also works at Boosterthon. She does in a part-time role uh, for sales. Uh, they've got twin nine-year-olds, Abby and Hannah, and then they've got Hope, who is eight years old, and their daughter Lucy, who passed away from cancer at age four. It's only been a year and a half since Lucy passed, so it's incredible that you guys are here to talk to us today. I know Lucy would have gone on a retreat with us in 2020 with you guys, but not only did COVID intervene, but she actually passed away in May before you guys were able to come. But we're so grateful that you guys were able to join us for uh, two of our sunrise retreats. Uh, I know a lot about 
you guys. I've spent some time with you. I've gotten to serve with your family uh, on a retreat. Uh, and so for the benefit of the folks that are listening, why don't you guys give everyone a little bit of context and history of just your story and, and where things maybe started with Lucy to provide a little bit of history? Yeah, so thank you for having us. Um, so we have four girls. We have uh, twins who are nine and an eight-year-old. And then we have Lucy, and that's the story we're going to be sharing today. Um, our, we were in our golden years, we like to say, where all four of the girls were out of diapers, you know, done napping, just really enjoying like the ages and the stage that we were in. So about this time, two years ago, we started seeing some cognitive changes in Lucy. Um, she just didn't seem right. She was not sleeping well. Um, she was running a little bit of a low-grade fever, so we decided to get her checked out. Um, and it was actually Thanksgiving morning of 2019. She woke up with a stiff neck, and I remember she was sitting at the breakfast bar eating her cereal, and um, she couldn't lift her head straight. And we just thought, wow, maybe she slept on it wrong. Maybe she injured it on the trampoline with her sisters. Um, and just as the day progressed, she just she just didn't seem right so we ended up in urgent care and um they sent us to choa the emergency room at scottish right um and the first initial diagnosis was that she had torticollis um, which is just a stiffness in her neck and so we took her back home again she didn't sleep great things just didn't seem right she had a terrible night sleeping the next couple nights took her back to the ER, same, different, different doctor, but same diagnosis of, hey, everything looks fine, her blood work was fine, mm -hmm. um, there were no other red flags other than just this stiff neck and occasionally some neurological um, differences with her walking or, or um, you know, she, she just seemed a little off. And so we took her back home. That day, they actually gave her Valium to kind of relax her neck muscles. And um, turns out that would be, we'd look back and know that was the last day that she walked or stood up or sat up. Um, things just progressively um, went downhill. Hmm. We ended up back at the pedi pediatrician. Um, and then for the third time at the ER, and this time we were... Um, like straight to the trauma room. There was just major red flags at that point where yeah. she had paralysis. It had gone from her stiff neck to her limbs. She couldn't, you know. Really move at all. She couldn't really move at all. Was that time frame a couple weeks, a couple days yeah, between so the first and the third? The very first time we took her, it was a Sunday. By that Friday, we had been, those were the third visit. Wow. So it was Thursday all night, a week, actually. All within a week. Okay. So it was really quick. Wow. So Thursday night, go in, we're going to do an MRI. And um, so Emma was in the MRI room with her for mm -hmm. about an hour. But, you know, in the MRI, they tell you you can't move. Well, she, Lucy couldn't move. And I was outside. And obviously. And they, and they were, you know, at the time, I was still thinking this is some kind of virus, some kind of viral mm -hmm. or meningitis that was causing paralysis. I mean, the news we heard that night was so far from my mind, like it had mm. never even crossed my mind that something so serious could be wrong. Um, 
So what was the initial diagnosis? So the initial, di- so they, so we, we ended up that last ER visit, we ended up getting there around 6 PM that night and they had the whole MRI team stay late to give her a scan. Um, and that in- initial diagnosis, the doctor came back in and said, I'm really sorry, but your daughter has, he's his exact words, a massive cancerous tumor all intertwined in her spinal cord. Mm. Wow. Yeah. It, obviously it was just very strange, almost an out of body experience because mm-hmm. Lucy's survived by almost all of her great grandparents still and yeah. mm-hmm. you're not a lot of cancer and you just that's that's not even like on your radar. Yeah. Yeah. She We're was kind of thinking yeah. um, I'm a worst case scenario guy sometimes and that was that was f- so much further than worst case scenario. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and so basically, they um, called an emergency surgery. They said if if this was during the day and we could, we would do it right now. Mm-hmm. Um, so we had an emergency surgery the next morning, which was supposed to be at eight o'clock in the morning. I think mm-hmm. it ended up being around around noon. Um, but we were totally surrounded by community. Uh, luckily, the Children's Hospital, obviously here in Atlanta, where we live. Um, so we had tons of community out there. Our, mm-hmm. our parents drove through the night mm-hmm. um, to be with us, to be with her. And, and that was just the start of the journey. And it all happened really from start to finish in a week. Yeah. So it was just major whiplash, I think, for us as a family. Mm-hmm. The three other girls were in school, I think. Yep. Did they go to school that Friday? So um, I don't even remember that. But uh, yeah. everything is just there at home. We're at the hospital. It was, it was pre-COVID. So it, mm-hmm. it, everything was pretty normal in the world at that point. So that did help, mm-hmm. for sure. So surgery that that night, that morning, that morning, the, the, the Friday next morning. morning, December sixth. Yeah. Okay. And then what was next? Like, did they give it a specific name, the tumor, or was it just a tumor, a cancerous tumor that's intertwined with the spine? And that was it for now. Yeah. So we they used a bunch of medical terms that they honestly changed so many times. So we're like, what exactly did they call it? Mm-hmm. Um, so. In the middle of the surgery, they actually called the the surgeon called us and said that all the markers from the original biopsy said that this was not actually as aggressive as they thought. So okay. we got really excited. Um, he almost used, I think he used the words benign, and um, and so we were like, "This is really great." Or well, answered a prayer that yeah, you we're know, celebrating we've been, in the mm-hmm. um, in the room in the waiting room, and but then. Uh, I mean, it's almost within like two minutes later that the oncology department sits us down and says, well, we don't use those words naturally when it comes to tumors. So we're like, wait, we just got told they're benign, but now we're not. So it was, I mean, mm-hmm. our whole journey with Lucy, it really just ups and downs and mm-hmm. lefts. We don't really know what's going up or down and changes really quickly. Yeah, it was a roller coaster. So originally, because of the looks of this specific tumor on the MRI, they said it was it just looked really aggressive because it was just all wrapped and intertwined. And so that, that is a classic like infiltrating tumor. Yeah. And she went from walking perfectly and then less than a week, not walking. Yeah. It's such yeah. a dramatic week. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean that every emotion that I, I, that's just, that's so much. And that's such a short time. Frame. Yeah. Yeah. So then, and then things just got worse that next morning when the neurosurgeon came in and actually showed us the image and just walked us through like, this is one of the most aggressive spinal cord tumors I've ever done surgery on. Yeah. And he's, he's probably in his seventies you know, and he's been doing this for decades. Um, so things just got worse that next morning. And then in surgery, we had a little bit of a light at some exciting news that 
the original, that very first biopsy that they were able to scan um, or um, run against DNA matches and everything came back not as aggressive. So they decided to um, remove, to debunk as much of the tumor as they could. And so according to the neurosurgeons, that was highly successful. Um, but then there's the whole other oncology side of things. Right. After right. the surgery, that team comes in and they sat us down. This is the part where I kind of went into a blur and don't remember a lot of hmm. it because it was so much information as far as like, I'm sitting in front of oncology now. Like right. surgery is one thing. Oncology is a whole different ball game. Um, and so she started explaining to us the next couple of steps that they had lined up radiation to start immediately that night and that they had decided to cancel that based on the 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 first tissue biopsy hmm. of the surgery. And so that had all pushed pause. So then it was kind of like, okay, the next couple of days are just going to be recovery. We're praying that Lucy will be able to move her toes again. Like she just had major surgery on her spine, on her spinal wow. cord. So it's this, then we go into rehab and, you know, it's, it's this, what movement is she going to have? Is she going to, you know, ever walk again? Or, um, so it was just kind of like these different, it was surgery, it was oncology, and then it was rehab, recovering from this major intensive surgery. And when they pushed pause on the radiation, was that like a good thing? Like, hey, so they, they don't feel like we have mm -hmm. to go right into this. It was. So that was another good sign. And then to go into recovery, what had they told you could happen with this surgery? Like, it, you, it didn't sound like you had a lot of time to make a choice or anything. You know, you're in and they're no. like, we're doing surgery in the morning. Um, so what what did they tell you to possibly expect after the surgery? Yeah, they didn't know. They were okay. they came out of the surgery very optimistic okay. for the first time. And it was all again really short window, but okay, it's nothing. It's like hurry up and wait. It's kind of what happens a lot okay. in the medical world. It's we have to have the surgery and now we have to wait. Mm. We have to wait and see what the the new MRI in three days shows because of the swelling and things like that and. Then they're going to do more biopsies and, and multiple different levels of biopsies. They're going to send biopsies into other doctors all over the country. And mm -hmm. so every day you're kind of like, what? You're just waiting for the oncology department, which, by the way, I did not know what oncology was almost you know, right, right before all this. So I'm like, what? Is, I mean, literally, I didn't know what that word meant. Yeah. So it was a, just a totally different world. And we're in the, ho the hospital and. Is we're trying to be parents to the other three girls yeah. back home and it's Christmas time and we're like, How do we how do we balance all yeah. of this? But also at the end of the day we're obviously focused on Lucy and yeah. um we're 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 kind of passing back and forth as mm -hmm. as as a marriage and like high fiving on the way down back and forth on the interstate as we pass each other and stuff like that. But it was a lot of hurry up and wait. Um but she started rehab, uh, occupational therapy, physical therapy right away. Mm -hmm. um, and again, most of the success, it was mostly successful in the fact that it, it, it regained, she was able to regain movement yeah. pretty quickly. Uh, miraculously was a word that was used a lot, just how quickly she was able to mm -hmm. uh, move her fingers, toes. I mean, she was coloring pretty quickly. Mm -hmm. We celebrated every victory of like, she wiggled her toe and she moved yeah. her leg. And because yeah. yeah. we just didn't know mm -hmm. what what damage could have been done in that surgery. It was almost like you're fighting this cancerous tumor, but you also want the best quality of life. Right. Still. Yes, for yeah. her. And so, so we spent three, 
really three weeks we're in the hospital. It's about mm. uh, we knew we we're going to be there through Christmas. Um, she gets to visit Santa, do all the Christmas things, and and again, I don't love hospitals, but it's, this is one of the better times. People are a little bit more cheerful. Yeah. They're trying to lift the spirits, and um, we were there for three weeks. And in the right around three weeks, I noticed that she had she had gained full like strength of her fingers, and she was coloring. And on Christmas morning, she was opening her gifts a little bit weird, and not using her hands exactly like normal. And she, when she would sit up in her wheelchair, it was like a little bit of a unique like angled sit. And mm-hmm. I just you know, every day you get the doctor, hey, is anything changed? Anything new? And so yeah, we we threw it out there. And um, again, I talked to the doctor that. Emily came in that moment. I went home with other mm-hmm. girls, and in the was like, and I saw it too. Yeah. I, I immediately was like, something seems off. Hurt. She's not coloring the same. Yeah, hmm. and we in about two hours, know. they said, "Well, we need to do an MRI today." And again, we know now we kind of are starting to figure things out a little bit. When they say we need to do something today, things it's, don't it's happen that news. fast. Yeah, and it's not. And she had just had lunch. And for them to have MRI right now, that is not what they want to do. Put yeah. the child underneath, you know, anesthesia after having a full yep. stomach. So it mm-hmm. was like this isn't good at all. Mm-hmm. And basically, kind of the, to jump forward, it, uh, they told us that the tumor, that which they had gotten almost 90 percent of the tumor out, had completely regrown in three weeks. Oh, wow. Which at that moment was the moment we knew we were dealing with a highly aggressive tumor. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, that was December twenty seventh. So two days after Christmas, we're crying in each other's arms, going, "How do we get back here so fast?" Yeah. Mm-hmm. And the doctors, who've many many years, and a team of thirty plus doctors. You know, nobody had seen a tumor grow that aggressively that quickly. And so then we're like, okay, well, what does that mean? What do we do? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so we elected um, to go straight towards proton radiation. Mm-hmm. It also happens to be in Atlanta, which was, a, which was an answer to prayer. Mm-hmm. And this whole process, um, she got put on steroids. And um, I don't know how many details to share, but she basically ended up, we put her, uh, she started going to proton radiation, and but she ended up failing out of, um, rehab on we were on the rehab floor at that time we never made it to the um, the Aflac the, the, Aflac, the mm-hmm. cancer floor at, at our children's hospital because it all was so fast yeah. mm-hmm. um, we went from so the the PICU into inpatient rehab that's where we spent most of our time gotcha. and then back into PICU yeah, rehab is not a lot of cancer treatment students mm-hmm. or kids it's a lot of um, car accidents or you know, sure. things like that mm-hmm. so it was a different world but um, she basically, after um, steroids and things, she failed out of. <laughs> she, as a four-year-old who's the sweetest little girl, uh, she was always she would, never would argue or anything. Like that she was like literally physically fighting against us and the rehab yeah. people. And mm-hmm. they're like, you can go home. We're like, yes, we would love to go home mm-hmm. because at that moment we were just like our our family has not been together in over a month. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And we were yeah. so excited to get home. Yeah. At that point, I really remember just. I knew my goal was to get her home. Like I have to fight to get her out of this hospital because she just was so confused about her surroundings and all she had been through. And I just knew if we could get her home, get her to sleep in her own bed and be with her sisters, um, that would do so much for her spirits. Um, And also she was just sick of PT. I mean, the rehab floor, it is like a packed schedule. I mean, it's, it's, 
it was so much for a little four-year-old who had just been through so much and she made great strides but that's not what she needed at the time she yeah. just needed some right. stability yeah. and, and she had gone comfort. from being able to walk and do everything and all of a sudden she's stuck in a wheelchair right and, and mm-hmm. i don't th- i still don't think she ever she definitely never understood what was exactly going on was there a, a point in time during all of this where the doctors sat down with you guys and said okay based on what we know this is the plan like this is we're going to do radiation this often we're going to do it doesn't sound like chemo had been a part of any of this Mm-mm. but were there discussions around okay this is this is the next six weeks this is the next two months this is the next three months or was it just hey we're learning we don't know yeah so every milestone we would have like this big conference with the doctors we would be we would end up in the conference room at the table papers laid out um MRI images and the really challenging thing with Lucy's diagnosis was that her pathology reports never showed that it was highly aggressive so they really weren't sure do we she's four right so yeah. some of these high highly aggressive treatments can be really dangerous for a four-year-old's yes. body so it was just this um we're always weighing the pros and cons of you know, do we go super aggressive? And that could have a lot of long-term consequences. Mm-hmm. But, <clears throat> excuse me, after December 27th, we knew this is aggressive. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We, no matter what the pathology said, the doctors all agreed, this grew back in three weeks. We have to, the next best step is radiation. Um, so yes, after that, it was, we sat down, we agreed, we had a piece about it. We were united in that, radiation was going to be the next best step um and it's kind of it's it's the only step yeah. for this type of tumor yeah um well and we chose radiation we kind of backstory a little bit throughout this whole moment uh, this whole moment moment in our life uh, we had a few people who had walked their their families through similar situations and one, one of the mentors that emily had had for probably about 10 years had lost a child uh, about 20 20 years ago and just by circumstance that's just who god put in our lives and um one of the best advice she ever gave emily was actually on christmas eve was Mm -hmm. to focus on quality because you're not in charge of the quantity of days you get so Mm -hmm. so when it came to any kind of medical treatment for lucy we we basically kind of drew a line in the sand and said we can't control the number of days but we can control the quality of days that we get with her Mm -hmm. and that that really just changed a lot of our perspective of Mm -hmm. um that's why we wanted to get home Mm -hmm. that's why we wanted to have her around her sisters Mm -hmm. um little things like that and proton radiation uh, allowed us to we can we can do that in the week i'll we'll drive in the morning if that means she's sleeping in her own bed yeah Um, so that was uh basically that started uh new year's eve Mm -hmm. is our first proton and then we did that for a month Mm-hmm. into your birthday actually february 12th so six weeks a wow. six-week a process um which again she was continuing to the proton radiation was clearly working she was mm-hmm. getting stronger her rehab was doing great and uh, but we were just focused on quality at the same time we knew what we were up against we yeah. knew the chances were not looking good mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. but we said that's okay we can't control that we we had looked at a couple other options that were maybe off the grid and some unconventional um things just i think as parents we felt like we want to make sure at the end of this if this doesn't go the way we want it to 
did we do everything we possibly could just like any yeah. parent right. would yeah. right so mm-hmm. we we definitely looked into some some different things so you met you know lucy was so young you mentioned that you're not sure she ever really understood what about your other girls as their sister's gone for a month in the hospital like how did you address what do you tell them what do you not tell them mm-hmm. they're young but they're old enough to know hey mom and dad are passing in the night and my life's different and my sister's not here so mm-hmm. how yeah. did you manage that yeah, yeah, they were seven, seven, and six. So wow. at the time, they still also didn't really know. Mm-hmm. And we just tried to keep life as normal as possible for them. Yeah. Um, so we worked it out where they didn't miss a day of school, mm-hmm. um, little tiny things like that. But again, we definitely communicated with them, but it, we you almost could see it just like go right over their head. Yeah. The second we would say, she's got, you know, she's got a tumor. They don't know what a tumor means. It, you know, yeah. even my parents were like, you know what does that what does that mean? I'm like I don't I don't really know. Nobody <laughs> right. knew. Yeah. Um, yeah. So yeah. it's almost different than most cancer journeys. You kind of can Google, and that's all. That's not always a good thing. You can kind of Google what's the diagnosis for this, and mm-hmm. we just didn't have that, which I think was actually a blessing mm-hmm. in disguise. We wanted more answers, but it allowed us to not be super fearful of. We've got this is the diagnosis. We've got six months. Or yeah, whatever. we just yeah. had to take it one day at a time, and with the other girls we tried our best for us to be present um Mm -hmm. our grand both both sets of grandparents are super involved in the kids lives but we knew that they also needed one of us that um if if one of us could drop them off at school or be there when they got off the school bus that was best case scenario obviously there were times where it wasn't but um we really tried to for one of us to be there and just be ready when they ask questions about is Lucy coming home or how is she today? Or we didn't hide anything. We tried to tell them in, in their language as Mm -hmm. best as we could. Um, We prayed with, I mean, we prayed so much as a family and um, Mm -hmm. just continued to show them we trust God in this. And he knows this, he we're all in his hands and, um, really just moment by moment and just being really honest with them that we didn't have all the answers. We don't know um, what this is going to look like or when life will ever feel normal. I think one of the hardest things in that season was just wondering when will life ever feel normal again? Mm -hmm. Like when will we sit around the dinner table together, put the kids to bed and sit on the couch and have like a normal evening like that just felt so far yeah Yeah. you know that maybe that would never come back yeah yeah you walk out of the hospital when your kids are born and you're like i don't i don't know what i'm why are they letting me leave with this child (laughs) right i don't know what i'm doing there's no playbook Mm -hmm. for what you guys are walking through not only in how to navigate that with lucy but how to parent the other three girls through this because ultimately lucy passed in spring Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. that's just how like parenting through that, mm-hmm. yeah. And you you don't know how to do it, and that just had to be so hard, just going day to day and not having mm-hmm. an idea. Um, mm-hmm. What what did you do? Like how did you manage that with the girls? And and now those are different conversations because it was still a roller coaster. Not was just yeah. the first week a roller yeah. coaster, and then the next yeah. month. Mm-hmm. I, I know your story. It was a roller coaster of oh my gosh, she's doing amazing, mm-hmm. and yeah. then it just changes again dramatically. Yeah. Right, March third so, is actually my birthday, yeah. and 
we had an MRI the day before and the tumor had completely disappeared and the doctor for three hours explained uh, again the team of doctors had never seen a tumor disappear like that and how she explained in literally she you know she always tried to explain things in medical terms but um, how this was an act of God and, and she had no other explanation for it and so you leave you leave there and now what do you now what do we do are we, we're, mm-hmm. are we back to normal Lucy and because she was starting to kind of walk again with with assistance um, so you're, you're just, again it's just this is March 3rd 2020 so again we're on top of the world um, and everything is we're, we're so thankful mm-hmm. uh, we're just we're at home um, and we're really really excited and and we all know that 10 days later um, pretty much the world shut down around us but the settle family we were we were ex- still on cloud nine we were ec- ecstatic and we um, basically headed into the covid season um, and we we view the first month of covid as one of the biggest blessings in our whole journey because we had every single breakfast lunch mm-hmm. dinner her sisters couldn't go run around and play with their friends. They were kind of forced to um, basically do at-home rehab with her, right? Yeah, because uh, all the rehabs were <laughs> shut down, and mm-hmm. um, so she was crawling around the the house, up and downstairs, and and playing uh, rehab for a four-year-old is playing games. It's using your fingers, using your you know, all that. So we we really just got to experience uh, just an unbelievable. A tangible sense of blessing from from the Lord of this is the diagnosis this is what's going on but we're you're stuck with your family and that's the best thing that could possibly happen yeah. and so mm-hmm. uh, we, were, we were so thankful for that yeah so we had three weeks straight of just the six of us like just us we were sheltering in place and yeah, yeah. we and got a puppy was, and we got a, puppy. <laughs> <laughs> a quarantine puppy yeah of course uh, Emily here wanted had always wanted a puppy and I told Lucy in the hospital because she loved the rehab dogs that mm-hmm. if she walked um, that she could get a puppy well I honestly forgotten I don't think Lucy remembered but Emily did, <laughs> Emily, uh, did. She, Emily, Emily did remember <laughs> so we went and got uh, our new addition to our family and it was uh, it was he was wild and crazy but it was fun and and we even there was a warm day Mm -hmm. a really warm day in march and we blew up an inflatable pool and put it in the driveway and we all did funny things in covid but that was Mm -hmm. one of the last days that we had with lucy and it was like literally one of her best days Mm -hmm. Um, and so the highlights of of those couple weeks we just there was no treatment it it was almost like just hmm. a pause in everything that we had been through it was just this roller coaster of a couple months and then it was just like this pause and time to just be together we didn't have any fear of the tumor um it was just we call it our miracle month mm-hmm. of march um and that all came to an end quickly with um a full-blown seizure lucy um the end of march woke up one morning sunday morning and um, was vomiting and a full-blown seizure and we knew immediately that means one yeah. thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and I knew, um, as much as I didn't want to admit it, I knew it meant a brain, something in the brain that was yeah. causing that. And so we ended up back um, at Chiawa, back with MRIs. Um, images quickly came up of the tumor in her brain. And, and that's when, you know, the team of doctors come in. And that's when they say, there's nothing else we can do. This has spread, metastasized all through her central nervous system. Mm. Um, And so then 
the next part of our journey began and that was to bring Lucy home and we didn't know how long we had with her um the day we ended up bringing her home they said maybe a week at most um but we just had a lot of peace about bringing her home getting her you know like we said quality Quality. of life we're gonna get her home family can come visit her we can just love on her um and the lord provided the most amazing um hospice nurse that came in um she met us like we walked it was talk about leaving the hospital with your child we're leaving with lucy who's four and we know that she's dying and it was terrifying Hmm. but um we walked in the front door and um lanice our hospice nurse met us and we just knew that this is this is how the lord's going to walk us through these Mm -hmm. next couple weeks um we didn't know how long again um and lucy ended up um she was home on um end of life care for six weeks and the first couple weeks were really beautiful um really hard obviously but really special um we did puzzles and played games and we spent time outside and went on walks and um those moments where you just think how can we as a family live each moment knowing that time is so limited um and so i think we just really learned that again you keep taking it moment by moment Mm -hmm. um and you treasure those moments and um, we took pictures and videos and as hard as those are to look back on um we're really thankful that that we have those um so we were very much in caretaking mode there was a lot of medicines there was a lot of um you know, we were watching her for seizures. She was very high, um, high alert for seizure activity. Mm. Um, and there was a lot of protocols and all that. But um, I just have to say that, I mean, we really sensed um, a lot of peace in the most, you know, horrific of circumstances. Um, our hospice nurse would come in and we would say she's, 90% our grief counselor and 10% Lucy's nurse because she would come in and sit with us at the kitchen table for hours and just listen and talk and ask questions and just walk us through the, our reality that no one yeah. else could understand. But um, but she was wonderful at that. And then she'd spend 10 minutes checking Lucy and, <laughs> um, and, and you know, she'd come back a couple days later and um, yeah, yeah. You were in caretaking mode. You were in mm-hmm. execution mode. I was a giant basket case. I mean, it's one of those things is you, you, you know there's nothing you can do except for pray and, you know, take care of the other kids. And so, we. I mean, we, we were functional, mm-hmm. but uh, it was – that's when I – that was probably the hardest six weeks for me in the whole journey. Mm-hmm. Uh, even since her passing in, in a lot of ways because it's just you know what you're up against you know what you're facing yeah. but you really the unknown is the scariest part uh, it was for me mm-hmm. um, so Emily's in caretaking mode and I'm like in the basement like balled up and crying yeah. you know so mm-hmm. um, but at the same time as during COVID and you don't have those normal support systems mm-hmm. and so everybody talks about all the you know mental health and things yeah. like that and I, and I totally get it but we 
Um, we chose to stay as as normal as possible. Mm-hmm. Um, we, again, we we couldn't completely isolate. We it was just it was physically impossible for us. And when, when people always ask kind of how we got through a lot of it, and honestly, we just kept moving. Mm-hmm. And we had a very small circle that we stayed we stayed with, but some of our neighbors that had to take Lucy or had to take our other girls the night that Lucy went to the hospital, like we were quarantine buddies. You know, like we just right. probably yeah. three fam three or four families where we the one family had a pool and they just opened the doors for us and so we just said yeah we're gonna do that <laughs> like yeah. we have to get out and yeah. so for us we just had to keep moving even though we knew what we were against so yeah. you know there's so um there's so many families that uh, when they have, when they um uh, encounter loss especially like with loss of a child specifically um it it has a huge impact on a marriage mm. um, talk about how how did you guys manage that in your relationship um, because not only does that take a toll on just the family, right, but just even you you guys, um, how did y'all navigate that? What was that journey like? Or, or what would you share with others that may be walking through that same journey, journey that, that has helped get you guys to where you are today? Yeah, we've been blessed with for the past, we've been married for 13 years. Um, we went to college together, and that's where we, we met. Um, but we had done a lot of personality assessments early in our marriage um, that that in a, in a unique way allowed us to, you know, you got to go through all those personality assessments and like during times of stress, you do this, yeah. during times of happiness, yes. you do this. Mm-hmm. So we were able to, in, in, a, in a unique way, like I knew Emily tends to be more X, Y, Z, and I, I'm more, I'm more the emotional person <laughs> and was much more of the thinker mm-hmm. in, in our marriage. And so we, we knew that. And so going into it, Emily was going to approach situations a little bit more methodically by the book you know, checklist where I'm going to be all over the place. And, and honestly, for us talking to other, other couples, it's, a, it's reversed. But that f- just knowing mm-hmm. how we were going to approach situations just helped a lot. Yeah, mm-hmm. um, That was one of the big things that that I know that when we started the conversation, it's almost like when you know we are going to face, let's, let's kind of start let's start talking about it before we get there. Mm-hmm. That definitely helped. And we had a couple of r- – unbelievable people in our in our community at our church that had walked down this path that were able to give real advice mm. mm-hmm. not um that advice but also on the on the other side of it their faith was as strong as it was before mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um and for us that was that was the most important part of that mm-hmm. um that our marriage was going to be together we were going to get through this i mean one thing Emily doesn't share but a lot but as Lucy's having this massive uh, seizure, we're behind the ambulance. We're driving down the interstate, and like she grabs me, and she goes, "This isn't going to break us." Hmm. And I, I remember that, and um, with tear, you know, just she's you know, a highly emotional situation, and uh, doesn't know if we're going to ever talk to Lucy again. And so, we've just kind of viewed it like that. We've prioritized date nights, even when Lucy was sick. Hmm. Um, which sounds weird, but for us, that was the pr- the priority for our marriage was because we knew the other three. We, it's almost like the other three kind of helped us keep moving, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and so we prioritized us having date nights or even date nights looked a little bit different for sure during sure, COVID. But right. it, yeah. but it was hey, let's get something to go and go sit outside for an hour and a half. Yeah. Um, so and I remember so many date nights just sitting there crying. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. We'd, yeah. Our dinner would come, and we just it would hit us like yeah. this is real like this is really where we're at right now. Mm. Um, I would say a lot of grace. We learned 
quickly that Jonathan is a very verbal processor, hmm. um, a little bit high, more yep. high emotion. I'm a very internal processor. Um, I kind of keep it in. I need to have like the time set aside to, to process, a place to grieve. Mm-hmm. I need to know, um, you know, I it it doesn't it doesn't just like hit me like sure. Jonathan. He he's so great about letting the emotions come, feeling them, and then moving on. Mine mm-hmm. is very structured and scheduled, and <laughs> um, so we learned quickly that that's what we needed. Um, and it was really interesting to see his hard days. As Jonathan said, he grieved a lot in those six weeks of Lucy passing. I did not even think about it at that time. So he was ahead of me in the process of grieving. And then he kind of would come on the other side and, and then I would fall into the hard days and grief mm-hmm. and, and we would just, we would switch. And um, it just seemed like it was interesting to see how the two of us became, we could support each other on yeah. the hard yeah. days. Um, the days that were hard for me, he was steady and when and vice versa. Um, and we we also agreed early on um, for our other three girls, they had lost so much when Lucy died. They lost a sister and we just decided they're not gonna have another loss of in us or in our marriage. Yeah. Like we're gonna do whatever we can um, to keep this marriage strong so that um, they don't have any more to lose. Mm-hmm. So that yeah, just we knew the statistics going. of you know divorce um, with major traumatic situations mm-hmm. tends to yeah. be really high. So mm-hmm. we were aware of that. Uh, again, you kind of know what you're up against yeah. a little bit, so it yeah. kind of allowed us to be proactive a little bit more. So it's been a year and a half, a little mm-hmm. more than that, mm-hmm. um, and you have a big weekend coming up, mm-hmm. Lucy's birthday. So how is your family celebrating that, or how have you, as you've gone through the last year and a half with your girls, like how have you made Lucy a priority and remembered her, and what's most helpful for them mm-hmm. as they're walking through this? Yeah, so because they're so young, things that are hands-on are really mm-hmm. important and special for them. Um, so this will be the second birthday that we've walked through without Lucy. Um, the first year was really, really hard. Um, you know, it's that day where you're celebrating the person that's not there and Mm -hmm. it's, um, it's just really painful. Um, and, but we made it as special as we could. We went on a hike, um, we made cupcakes. We we actually went out of town um, up into the mountains with some family. Um, we found ourselves traveling a lot that first year. Mm-hmm. Um, we kind of realized it, you know, a couple trips in, just realizing it's it's nice to get away. It's mm-hmm. nice to feel like separate from what we walked through because mm-hmm. so much of it happened in our house and. Um, so trips kind of became something that we look forward to in a family. So for her, for that first birthday, we decided to get out of town and um, just made it as special as, as we could. Um, this year looks really different. We um, will probably keep it simple mm-hmm. and special. Um, we love to donate to a nonprofit that sends American Girl dolls um, mm. to other little girls who are Aww. fighting cancer. So that's a sweet little... Um, thing that we like to do and do in Lucy's memory Mm. Um, and yeah I think we'll make cupcakes and um, release balloons and just get through it 
we got some advice early on that you know if you have a very rigid we have to do this on the birthday and something doesn't doesn't happen it can be devastating if for some reason you're not able to accomplish that celebration like right, right? like if mm-hmm. if you always do this type of balloon on this type of candle or and it's for some reason you lose that candle or you lose that that piece of material mm-hmm. it can be devastating so we uh, decided to take it one day at a time one year at a time and uh honor her differently but you asked about the girls um we talk about her a lot mm-hmm. but it, it's always really unique and really fun for us to find the little notes that they've written in like a, in like their journal to lucy or, or about lucy yeah. when we're not the ones talking about her um, for us, that's really a sweet moment that we know it's the, the dots are connecting a little bit. Um, we did shift schools um, specifically for like in the whole process. And again, for us, COVID, we want to keep them in school as much as possible. And not everybody has that opportunity. But for us, th- that the door opened up and we, we jumped at it. And that's been a, a blessing in and of itself. But the small little things of finding the, the, the notebooks with the mm-hmm. with the, her name or um, why well, color like this? Because of uh, I told my teacher because of Lucy would always say her favorite colors were pink, purple, and silver, which we mm. did not know that until <laughs> she was diagnosed. <laughs> but they would they colored things because of Lucy's colors or yeah. whatever. So mm-hmm. those are those are sweet moments mm. for sure. Sounds like you got some really good advice from some really yeah supportive, amazing people. Yeah, we had never really walked anybody in death like right. um, all of our grandparents pretty much except for maybe two that are de- are still here and yeah. most of our i mean we've never really experienced death um and so for the death the the grief death journey was was a new one for us yeah. and so we mm-hmm. totally went in open arms i think is like the right maybe that's the wrong word but open uh just open to to listen and learn mm-hmm. what other people had, had done and, and maybe what how other people had failed Mm-hmm. And how we wanted to maybe change a couple of things for us, but we we talked about we just talked about everything, mm-hmm. <laughs> like from birthdays to what do we want this to look like, and mm-hmm. uh, we again this is the benefit of Emily being very structured. It's like, hey, what is this going to look like? What are the next three days going to look like? And she had everything organized and <laughs> plotted through and <laughs> checklist um, but, and everything. But that was very like helpful. That. It really yeah. was because I I need that. I need mm-hmm. her because I'm definitely not like that. And that helped us kind of kind of process. You went through counseling and that that helped. Mm-hmm. I did too. But yours was a much more rigid, structured mm-hmm. process. So. Yeah, that's, yeah. that's great. Well, we just, we love you guys. And we're so grateful that you're willing to talk about something that's so hard and so personal. Mm -hmm. Um, So thank you for, thank you for being in person and us getting to look at real people faces, first of all. But thank you for sharing your story and Lucy's story and your other girls. And um, we'll just be celebrating with you guys this weekend. Thank you so much. Thanks. Wow. What an incredible perspective you guys have given us. We're so appreciative and just love you guys. We really do. And um, I'm so thankful for you and your vulnerability. Um, We're so thankful for our entire Lighthouse family. We hope that you all get a chance this holiday to sit with your family and your friends and just kind of celebrate the gifts that God has given us in each other. Mm -hmm. Merry Christmas, everybody. And we will see you next week on the next episode of the Lighthouse Podcast.